Dotnet Rocks episode 888 with guest G. Andrew Duthie. Recorded live Thursday, June 20th, 2013. This episode is brought to you by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. And by Franklins.net, makers of Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And by Diatom, developers of the .NET Rocks mobile app, available now for Windows Phone, iPhone, and Android phones. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. It's Carl and Richard, and uh, we are going to geek out, not a geek out show, but it's kind of a geek out show on the .NET Gadgeteer platform. Andrew Duffy's coming up in just a few minutes. It is kind of .NET-y, but it is also kind of geeky. And I, I do have to mention something about geeking out. If you haven't listened to the Telescope Geek Out show, mm. the Space Telescope Geek Out show, so you remember one of the things we mentioned in that one, we mentioned two different Kickstarters. Yep. There was our kid who is, that was really the inspiration. The uh, the space the space telescope for the public funded. They really? made their million. It's going ahead for sure. Wow. It's happening. So that's good news. But the other one, do you remember the other Kickstarter? Yeah, it was that little indie film on that's the right. called the Good Reactor on yeah on the uh, thorium reactor. Right, and they were only halfway with less than a week to go. I think the .dot net rocks listeners came through, man, because they're funded. Wow, that's great. Yeah, they're funded. Congratulations! I'm really excited about that. I'm in on that as well, so I'll be yep, getting an advanced too. copy of the video, but I'm just really glad that that film's going to get made. It's really exciting to me. Very exciting. Yeah. And if you were one of the contributors to that, thank you. We yep. really appreciate you pitching in. These things mean a lot to us. Sure do. And they, they will mean a lot to you someday as well. <laughs> and your children, most likely. Well, let's get started with a better know a framework. Awesome. So what do you got, buddy? What do I got? Tell me something amazing. Uh, it's not amazing, but it's cool. <laughs> okay. Go to tinyurl.com slash gadgeteer robot. Oh, no. This really? guy built a robot with wheels running on .NET Gadgeteer. The chassis is from Seattle Robotics Society. The motor controller is from Polu- Pololu. And the display is from Seed Studio. It's all .NET, and he's got a video of it wandering around, and he's controlling it. It's basically awesome. like your iRobot Roomba kind of thing, but it's he built it himself, and he said in record time. And it's all .NET, and you can see it's Gadgeteer because everything is just plug and play. Yeah. That's cool. We're going to, if you haven't checked out Gadgeteer, you're in for a treat in this next hour because uh, I'm hooked on it. Anyway, that's it. That's what you got. That's what I got. It's pretty cool. Awesome. Who's talking to us? I grabbed a comment off of show 878. That's the one we did with James Kovacs, who was talking about programming JavaScript functionally. Mm-hmm. And this comment comes from Charlie Gage, who says, Great show as always. Richard's comment about the confusion of which JavaScript library works well with another one hit the nail on the head. Boing. There are so many libraries and frameworks out there for JavaScript that it can be a nightmare to try and sort it all out. Are there any resources, websites, blogs, etc., that offer any help with this? The problem is that 
every time you have a list of stuff, You're it gets wrong. old and then it clutters up the internet and people don't take them down. Yeah, it's true. But I think it is, it's almost worth a show because who was it we were talking to? Was it James? We were talking about the different tribes. Yes. There's literally like these sweet tribes. So I, I feel like I want to do a show that just sort of defines the different tribes together. Okay. And then we can we can have these groupings like that. We could do them but, on a regular basis. It would be helpful. Yeah. Well, it's something worth revisiting. I mean, certainly we do every time we end up talking about another Javis Trip suite with right. John Papa or uh, yeah. or Scott Allen. You know, it's, it's an ongoing process. So we'll try and contribute to that, Charlie, and try and make it better. And uh, But if you want to maintain that list, we're happy to let you do it. Feel free. Yep. And uh, as encouragement, a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or on any of our mobile apps. We've got them for iPhone, Android, Windows Phone 7 and 8, as well as Windows 8. And those apps were built by Diatom Enterprises. And Diatom Enterprises would love to build you a mobile app. You can reach them at the website. And before we go any further, I'm going to freak out. No. Nice. Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online. They have hundreds of hardcore developer training courses authored by industry experts. They release around 30 new courses every month and offer a free 10-day trial, giving you 200 minutes of access. Pluralsight offers a wide range of developer training courses, including coverage of iOS, Java, Android, web development, and pretty much everything Microsoft, including 10 courses on Windows Azure. Actually, it's more like 20 now. I can't, can't imagine when this was written. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And with that, let me welcome back to the show G. Andrew Duffy, a.k.a. DevHammer. He's a technical evangelist from Microsoft's Mid-Atlantic States District, where he provides support and education for developers working with the Microsoft development platform. In addition to his work with Microsoft, Andrew is the author of several books on ASP.NET and web development, and has spoken at numerous industry conferences from VS Live and ASP.NET Connections to Microsoft's Professional Developer Conference and TechEd. Andrew has been participating in the user group community since way back in 1997, when one of his co-workers dragged him out to the Internet Developers User Group in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, and he's been hooked ever since. Dev Hammer is also the creator and developer of Community Megaphone, a site designed for promoting and finding developer community events. And in addition to his work in software development, Andrew's enjoyed some recent forays into the world of hardware experimentation, including developing for Connect and .NET Gadgeteer, which we're talking about today, using his newly formed hardware chops to do everything from blinking LEDs and making strange noises to flying a helicopter with his bare hands. Ooh, can't wait to hear that. Welcome, awesome. Andrew. Hey, guys. Glad to be here. Helicopter with your bare hands. What's that all about? Well, so... Started off, you know, because right around when Gadgeteer launched, I got the uh, the okay from my manager to pick up. They had the GHI has this Fez uh, Spider starter kit, and right. uh, one of the cool things about that is you get a bunch of stuff in a box that kind of really lets you get started and get creative right away. You know, it's a little pricier than some of the other embedded hardware things, but uh, you know, you kind of get everything you need to go out of the box. Well, I started off thinking, okay, you know, there's cool things I can do with this kit. And then once I got finished doing a few projects, I wanted to do something a little more exciting. So I started looking at some of these little infrared uh, helicopters, yeah. infrared remote control helicopters. And I thought, well, if I could record the signals from the remote for the helicopter and then play it back, I could probably get it to fly. Yeah. So that was kind of like V1 was, let me capture the, the IR signals, which is just, you know, a, a series of pulses 
um, and then play those back and did that at a, at a code camp and got great applause for that. And I thought, you know, making it fly up six inches and then crash is entertaining <laughs> and all that, but you know, it's probably not enough. Not enough. So let me start digging into this. And I started doing some research on the web and it turns out there was a guy who had already gone through the process of reverse engineering. The, the copter that I have is called the SEMA S107. Yeah. And there's a guy who had actually already reverse engineered the timings for the protocol. So all I needed to do then for the was IR create, protocol. Yeah. For the IR protocol. Exactly. Wow. That's so then what stuff. I needed, it's not too bad. I mean, really what you need to do that is you just basically need an IR receiver and you set up a, a, a uh, oscilloscope on it and measure the pulses. Um, okay. it, it, yeah, I know that sounds a lot easier <laughs> than it probably yeah. is, which is why I used somebody else's reverse engineering and didn't do it myself. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but so once I had the IR protocol, then I could create a .NET class that, would essentially output that protocol on the gadgeteer itself. What I needed then was, okay, so I have the ability to send this out through a little component that GHI made, mm -hmm. but it wasn't, didn't give me a very good range. Right. So I ended up working with the, what was at the time, the tiny CLR community, um, which has since kind of been folded into GHI's website. We'll have that URL on the show notes, I'm sure. Um, I worked with a bunch of folks on the community to actually create a custom gadgeteer module that was essentially a high power IR emitter. So it has three IR LEDs and its job is just to push out as much infrared light as possible so that I could fly the helicopter successfully at a, at a broader range. Like what's the range? Um, I've probably had it at about, uh, probably 15, 20 feet. Wow. And it, it really depends on the environment. IR, the downside of IR is that it's very much subject to interference. Yeah. So flying with IR outside, forget about it. The sun really just overwhelms it. Yeah. And then there are certain types of uh, fluorescent ballasts, for example, that can also interfere. So really kind of depends on the environment. But I actually, uh, you had uh, Carrie Hamill on for one of your shows. Mm -hmm. I actually uh, visited her in Redmond uh, and she had, created a custom version of the controller I had, I'd built. And we were able to fly that up to the second floor in one of the atriums in her building. So that was kind of fun, um, flying that around the lobby. But in the end, what I created was a gadgeteer rig that recreated the, the controls that come with the helicopter. Now, you might think, oh, well, yeah, isn't it cheaper to just use the remote control that comes with the helicopter? Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah, that's absolutely true. First of all, it was the challenge of, can I do it? And I managed to pull that off. And so I had a little joystick and a potentiometer and all that just it's plug and play because it's gadgeteer. So mm -hmm. it was really easy to do. Then I added an ethernet port. Oh yeah. By adding an ethernet port, then I could set up a, set up a socket server on the gadgeteer mainboard and yeah. it becomes an IR server. That's right. And once I've got that, then I can plug that into the network and I can use my Windows phone to control the helicopter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or I can use a tablet. Or, and here's where the bear flying with bare hands comes in, I can use Connect. Oh, yeah. So I created a Connect project where the Connect tracked the positions of my hands, and one hand was used for pitch and yaw, and the other one was for throttle. And so I was able to actually fly the helicopter without touching a thing. And at that point, it's called using the force. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not quite the same as the the uh, the the 
uh, what are they called? The headsets. You guys had a show on. Yeah, that. Yeah, no. If you can do it. it with an apple or a pear and feed your girlfriend, now <laughs> I'd be impressed. <laughs> yeah, it it was pretty fun, and even I, better, I like the idea of the emotive headset. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's probably next on my hit parade. I got to try that sometime. Yeah. But turns out they have uh, a reg- there's a, a program at, at Microsoft in Redmond called the Garage, and they were having a science fair. And I actually submitted this project to the science fair and they decided to use this for a contest. So they actually uh, recreated the rig that I, that I had built from Gadgeteer, bought a bunch of helicopters and had people try to fly them onto various platforms for prizes. So it was a whole lot of fun and, and I didn't get a chance to actually go out to the, the, the science fair myself, but it was kind of cool that, you know, one of my projects actually got used in that way. Andrew, I got to tell you, I think that is probably the coolest project that has ever been described on .NET Rocks. <laughs> wow. Being able to fly a helicopter by waving your hands. That is so freaking cool. I just can't tell you. It, it was a lot of fun to build. So the reason that you're on the show is because I have caught the gadgeteer bug. I think mm-hmm. I told Richard about this, that I was doing some stuff with it. Anyway, I got a project and just going crazy f- trying to find IR stuff, you know? Right. And I'm looking on the website where they have all the modules and there's the community section. And sure enough, there's an IR emitter for gadgeteer. Cause like you, I use the Fez Panda. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, which had a really good IR emitter, and that was no problem. Well, it was great, but, you know, it worked. But there really wasn't one for Gadgeteer, which is different hardware, right? Exactly. So you, I, you know, I see here it is, and who did this? Andrew Duffy, I know that guy. <laughs> Holy crap. So I, you basically sent me one. I haven't actually tested it yet. I'm sorry, but I'm sort of been busy with other things. But let me tell you about my project. Okay, great. I'm not flying helicopters with my hands. It's not that cool. But what I do want to do is control um, pan tilt heads for video cameras remotely. Okay? So you basically have a tripod, and you put this mm-hmm. pan tilt head on the tripod. You connect it just like you would connect a camera. And then you connect, put the camera inside of this pan tilt head. And the idea is that you can use a remote to move it back and forth and up and down. And it also will, um, uh, the same remote will, will work as a zoom for the camera, right? So basically what I've got is, uh, one remote that controls the pan and tilt and one remote that controls the zoom in the camera. And I want to do this programmatically. I actually right. want to have a, a touch screen interface. Mm hmm. Where I can see in my cameras and just by, you know, doing hand gestures and things like that, um, select different shots so that I can do a three camera shoot by myself with one person. That, right. That's the goal. That um, sounds very cool. Yeah. It, and it's a simple, it's simple technology. You would think that, you know, that does exist, but putting it all together means that instead of hiring a crew of three or more people, that one person could go out to a site and do a video shoot, you know, three cameras by themselves, maybe even four. That sounds cool. Now, I actually just, I just thought of another use you could use that for. So you guys were geeking out on telescopes. Mm -hmm. Imagine taking that tilt and that tilt and pan head, put it on a telescope. And then here's, here's even better. So my coworker, Brian Hitney is really into uh, astronomy. 
he actually created a Windows Store starter kit for, for an app called uh, Messier Sky Objects. <laughs> so imagine taking that app, connecting it to your pan and tilt head mm. by Gadgeteer mm. so that when you select an object in the app, the camera automatically focuses on that particular part of the sky. Yeah, I can see a real, uh, you know, a real-time sort of image coming from the telescope on the computer where you just sort of zoom in with your fingers like you would a picture. Yeah. But you're looking Lots at... Lots of cool possibilities. You're looking Wait. at stars. And you guys do know these products exist, right? Like, Well, of course, but most modern the telescopes? challenge in buying one? Yeah. Because there's more to it than just knowing what point of the sky to look in. Mm. You know, if you're talking about a really faint object, you actually yeah. need to track that object over time. You have to have the telescope keep moving to keep it in the center of the frame so that you can actually resolve it. Yeah. Which is really kind of fun to do. Like, just anticipating the rate of planet movement, that's fun. All right. So, let's talk about the Gadgeteer platform. We haven't done it in a while since uh, since Carrie was on. But if you if you haven't got the bug yet, just tell us how freaking easy it is to do this. You know, the... The interesting thing, so I've I've looked at both uh, the the Netduino platform. I had looked at Arduino, and I really didn't get the bug in part because I was intimidated by the hardware aspects of things. Yeah. I was really, you know, it's kind of like okay, there's this board, right? It's got a bunch of pinholes that you yeah. can plug stuff into, and yeah, there are shields and other stuff. But getting from sort of hello world, which the hello world for any embedded platform is blink and LED, mm-hmm. right? right? It's really easy to do that on pretty much any of these platforms. Right. I mean, not really challenging. But once you get past hello world, it's like, what do you do? Right. Um, and so when I got this starter kit and it had a 4.3 inch touchscreen, it had buttons, it had um, a bunch of different. Yeah, it had all kinds of input and output. And within the space of 10 minutes, I had a working digital camera. Yeah. You know, I plug in a camera, I plug in a button, I plug in the screen. And literally the way that Gadgeteer works is by abstraction. So each of the various devices that you plug in comes with a software driver that makes it as simple as, you know, button dot pressed plus equals tab tab, just like you would in .NET. Mm. Right? It's just like building a, a C-sharp event handler for a software button, except it's actual hardware. And all of the all of the necessary stuff to figure out when, you know, the interrupts that are taking place in the hardware when the button is pressed are sort of abstracted away. Yeah. All of that stuff's available if you want to dig down into the guts of it. There's no, you know, there's no problem for people who really want to geek out on the hardware aspect and and get down close to the metal with code. But Gadgeteer is designed so that you don't have to look at that. It's actually got a design surface where, you know, you go into Visual Studio and you drag the main board that you want to use and you drag in a button and a camera and a screen and you you drag the connections to the appropriate sockets that actually light up and tell you Oh, the button can be connected here, 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 or here. Yeah, you actually right. don't have to connect them yourself. You can just drag the button, the thing, the temperature gauge, whatever the sensors are, and say, wire them up, and it'll tell yep. you where to plug them in. Yeah, and then, exactly. Yeah. And you just match it up in the, in the physical world, what you've got on the design surface, yep. and all of the drivers that be- are automatically then instantiated for those pieces of hardware under the covers. And let me tell you, I mean, writing code to a, a, an LCD screen is not trivial, right? Writing a button handler, 
yeah, most people could learn how to do that. L learning how to turn on an LED, easy enough. But writing to an LCD, mm, yeah, better to do better to do that with somebody else's code if right. you can. Yeah. And it, like you said, uh, that uh, it's all about the abstraction. You know, if I'm reading data from a temperature sensor, mm -hmm. it's just going to fire an event that gives you the temperature. Like right. you don't have to know about voltages. You don't have to do math. Well, or you can read a value. I mean, that's the, most of the sensors yeah. that have a, a value range, you, you know, you're reading a value from that sensor and you can use a timer for that or you can, you know, do that in an event. Yep. But the, but the key is that rather than, you know, in, in other platforms, what you would typically do is you'd be measuring the voltage and you'd yep. say, okay, I know that the max is 3.3 volts, the minimum is zero volts. So Just, let me do some math to figure out the percentage. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's not that hard to do. But if you don't know, for example, what the the desired range of a particular sensor is, uh, it can be tricky to to get accurate readings sometimes. I mean, temperature is a great example of that. It's it, it's yeah. challenging sometimes if you don't know what the you know the uh, ratio of the voltage to actual temperature is. That can be tough to figure out. And it's so it's really about making it as easy and quick as possible to come up with a prototype, right? I mean, that's really what it's about is prototyping a device with software. And it, the less stuff you have to do, the faster you can get that done. Yeah, I mean, so the Gadgeteer project, as I'm sure you talked to Carrie about, was was created by Microsoft Research. And it was created because they found themselves throwing away a lot of prototype hardware or not being able to reuse components. You know, so the the initial impetus for the project was, hey, is there a way that we can prototype things and then be able to pull them all apart and build something completely different with it? So that's sort of one aspect of it. And from a professional hardware developer's standpoint, yeah, I think being able to get to market with a device very quickly by throwing a bunch of, you know, of modules together, prototyping, testing some concepts is a really powerful concept. But for hobbyists like myself, it's just the satisfaction of being able to yeah. imagine something and build it in a way that wasn't possible previous to Gadgeteer. So I sat down with my 11-year-old daughter and I gave her a list on paper of all of the different things that you could connect to this. And, uh, you know, in other words, and, and you can take any of these things as inputs or outputs and add logic like, you know, if something is in this range, then do this. Or if something, you know, just gave right. her that basic sense of power of what could be done. And I said, now think up a gadget based on these things right here. And, you know, it's a little bit intimidating at first, but she comes back to me and she says, all right, I got it. An alarm clock that uses mm -hmm. the barometer. And if it's raining, will wake you up with raindrops keep falling on my head. And if it's sunny, we'll wake you up with, you know, I'm walking on sunshine. And I thought that, that was awesome. I thought that was brilliant. Because, yeah, absolutely. Because that's just something cool that you could, and you could do that with literally five lines of code. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, there are at least three different ways in, in just the, the GHI modules to make music. Right. They actually have an FM receiver. So if you wanted to just play whatever's on the radio, you could do that. You know, there are multiple camera modules. There's just all kinds. And, and there's even there's stuff that you can control. For example, uh, you can control 
uh, 120 volt power. So they're re relay Relays. modules where you can actually turn on and off. You know, obviously, anytime you're dealing with house current, you want to really know what you're doing. Iron electrician. It can, <laughs> yeah, it can kill you. Yeah. Um, I'm not in favor of people dying based on my advice. So please, yeah, hire an electrician if you don't know what you're doing or maybe even if you do. That's the point I'm at with another project is, is getting the relays to work. I'm so uh, I'll tell you what the project is, but just basically speaking, I want to control appliances. I want to turn a fan on and off. I want to turn a humidifier on and off. And I want to turn, uh, you know, uh, and I actually want to turn water on and off. And I can do mm -hmm. that with, uh, with a, a valve, you know, that you can right. get at Home Depot. That's just a relay valve. And uh, the project actually, and, and so that's where I am in my, in this project. I've got the relay, but I, you know, I've got to work with an electrician uh, to to help me with that. But the, here's this project. It's a, and I know it sounds like you know weeds, but it's growing tomatoes in a hothouse in in an indoor uh, grow room with mm -hmm. grow lights, with water flow, with fans, heaters, and with humidifiers. And so the basic idea is that I have to, uh, you know, keep, ch keep the temperature in a certain range, keep the humidity in a certain range, keep the soil at a certain wetness. By the way, there's a, um, uh, a water uh, sort of yes, a moisture detector, a moisture sensor, yep. which is brilliant. It's just two prongs, you know, and so the, they're, they're very close together. And if there's water, then there's going to be a, a circuit. You know, and basically how the strength of the circuit, uh, strength of the voltage will tell you how, how much water there is. So, you know what, Pete Brown and I, uh, joked that the, the, the ideal use for the moisture module is for dads with new babies. Um, you just use it as a diaper sensor. Um, and that way you can automatically, you know, you can get like a text message or something when oh. diaper needs changing. And there's wires coming out of your baby's butt. <laughs> yeah. That's not good. <laughs> Again, that was another one of those. Maybe don't follow my advice on this. <laughs> I actually, uh, here's another story. My other daughter, my oldest daughter, who's now 17, when she was uh, young, you know, she did ballet her, her whole life. And, uh, developed um well sort of had a genetic problem where she walked on her tippy toes and mm -hmm. her mother did it her grandmother her great-grandmother it was hereditary and so we were trying to cure her of this otherwise you know her she'd have all sorts of problems later we need foot surgery so i in at the time there was no gadgeteer but i tried to create a device and i ended up not doing it because she wouldn't wear it but that was a pressure sensor that i could put in the in the heel of her shoe and it would, you know, every time you step on it, it would give you a value and give you a value. And I could read. And, you know, if she's walking, which I can get with a, another sensor, and the, the heel doesn't go down in a certain time, you know, sound an alarm, buzz, electric shock, whatever it is, you know. <laughs> the, the threat of putting that in her shoes was just enough for her to get a little serious about wearing a brace and things like that. She outgrew it, nice. of course. But I thought, you know, that was just another little gadget that I could have could have made with Gadgeteer. Yeah, and so it's it's easy to to get really creative with this and as you said, it's also easy to get hooked. So I you know, I will warn people, you get started with Gadgeteer and you can actually start laying out some money on the, the individual modules are are pretty reasonable for mm -hmm. the most part. Um but there's so many of them and you just want to have it's like potato chips, right? You can't stop with just one. You want more. Richard, do you remember when I got into the basic stamp stuff and you said uh, be careful with that. 
Yeah, I've got it all over my house, actually. So Basic Stamp <laughs> was sort of the one of the very first, uh, for me anyway, one of the very first gadget platforms. And uh, you connected to this little device with a you know a little board, breadboard that you had with USB. It was very much like Gadgeteer, but it wasn't nearly at that layer of abstraction that we're talking about. Now, right. I think, and you hit on the key thing here, which is that just making the programming model simple and hiding all this analog digital conversion yeah. from you so yeah, that you don't absolutely. have to deal with reality. Mm. You know, actually figuring out if a valve is closed is really, really hard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is that most people, so, you know, if you don't, and, and to be fair, you know, people who are programming with Arduino, there's lots of Arduino code that's available for free that targets specific sensors and, and controls and things like that. Mm. So it's not as though it's impossible to find code that will help you do what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. But if you're starting from scratch with a sensor or something that you want to connect, you know, you want to breadboard it or, you know, whatever else. What you got to do is you got to go in and find the data sheet for this component. You've got to understand what the output values are. You've got to figure out how that maps to the voltages that you're going to read on a given pen. You have to know what protocol it talks. You know, there's, right. you know, I squared C. There's, you know, there's just all kinds of different protocols. Whereas all of that stuff's just kind of abstracted. And, and the other nice thing with Gadgeteer is that there's only one connector. Right. It's this 10 pin connector. It's keyed. So you can't connect it backwards. And the, each of the sockets are labeled. So they tell you by letter, this, you know, this socket accepts these specific types of modules. So it really kind of makes it not, not a hundred percent, but mostly idiot proof, which let me tell you, given my hardware skills was necessary for me at the outset. (laughs) <laughs> I, I have actually succeeded even though i'm mostly using gadgeteer i have actually succeeded in releasing the magic blue smoke at least once huh. um i have killed him i have killed a, a a gadgeteer main board um it's rare but <laughs> you know <laughs> i i am skilled enough to do it so definitely something to be avoided if you if you can yeah hey richard you know what time it is uh it must be that happy time again that's right it's time to check in on the gadget I have strapped to the hull of the new Star Trek Enterprise. What? <laughs> I told you it wasn't funny. <laughs> we'll give you a courtesy All laugh. All right. Courtesy laugh. No, it's time to give away a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection to a lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Awesome. Yeah. But before I do that, I need to tell you that Telerik recently released DevCraft for Q2 quarter two 2013 the 10 new controls and over 250 new features across all six of their ui control suites allow you to cover more scenarios out of the box tile list for ajax calendar data storage touch and more for windows 8 as well as offline cloud data synchronization for windows phone and cloud mbaas are just a few of the major new things the newly introduced graph interactivity support in Telerik Reporting helps you create even more interactive reports. Just Code's new integration with Just Decompile allows you to debug third-party libraries without having the source code available. Check it out at Telerik.com, and don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. Yes, sir. So who's our winner this time, buddy? Today's winner is Keith Beller. Ah, congratulations, Keith. Golf clap for Keith. Clappers. Yeah. And if you don't know what we're talking about, every show we give away a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection. This is everything Telerik does in one box to a lucky member of the fan club. If you're not a member, go to .netrocks.com, 
click on the big get free stuff button, answer a few questions and join the club. We have thousands of members and every show, as I said, we give away this DevCraft Complete Collection and every December we're giving away $5,000 worth of technology. And we like to ask our guests, and this ought to be good. <laughs> Andrew Duffy, if you had five yes. grand to spend on technology today, what would you buy? Oh, probably everything that GHI makes. <laughs> <laughs> as many as possible, right? Gus, Gus is going to love that answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. I've already got my Xbox One pre-ordered. Uh, you could get yeah. a lot of stuff. You could get a lot of stuff for five grand. You could have devices hiding in every corner of your house. I don't know who would do that. I'm not sure my wife would be a fan of that. Who would do that? (laughs) Richard. (laughs) Who would do that? (laughs) The whole trick is so that nobody can tell. Yeah. The whole trick is it's got to be invisible. Yeah, I seem to remember a conversation I had with you, Richard, about your phone system. That was pretty geeky, just that alone, so... One step at a time, man. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I hate to bring it back to reality here, but I think the only complaint that anybody can really have with .NET Gadget here is, comparatively speaking, this stuff's expensive. Well, so, yes and no. So, one of my favorite boards that GHI makes is something called the Fez Serbuino B. And it's actually a hybrid Arduino layout gadgeteer board Hmm. Um, and the advantage there is that you get the pin layout that would allow you to use many of the arduino shields so if you're somebody who's kind of coming over from the arduino world and you know you you, you've still got some shields you want to try out but you want to use some gadgeteer sockets it gives you three gadgeteer sockets which isn't a ton Hmm. but at least gets you the basics but it's got onboard usb host it's got onboard micro sd or mini sd it's got onboard xb socket plus the shield gives you a lot of options in terms of expansion and it's about 40 bucks so it's really inexpensive to get started with. So the center of the universe, as you were saying, is GHI, GHIelectronics.com. Right. That, what, now, what is their relationship to Microsoft, actually? Are they just a manufacturer of all this stuff? Well, so they manufacture. I think they also worked with the, the MS Research folks you know, on developing Gadgeteer. You know, but there are also there are lots of other folks who build uh, Gadgeteer mainboards and modules as well. There's mm. a UK company called Love Electronics. Um, there's another company called, uh, well, I think the, the board is called Mountaineer. I don't remember the name of the company that manufactures it. Mm. Um, and then plus, there's all of the community modules that you mentioned. I think Including yours. At, yeah, including mine. There are at least, uh, I think, 15 on the website right now, and that isn't even the full range of Gadgeteer modules. And there's one guy named Justin who is like a module maniac. He has built a bunch of different really cool modules from uh, like an LED uh, stereo, what's called a stereo UV module. So it basically gives you kind of like the the level meters complete with green, yellow, and red. Hmm. He's got what's the other? He's he built he actually built his own mainboard. So he wow. created this thing called the STM Oct- Octopus, which is basically a, a Cerberus clone, but it's in a an octagon shape. And he designed it so that it's stackable. And he's working on building a quadcopter around that platform, which is huh. really kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, he's just got a lot of really cool stuff out there, and there's. Yeah, there's another one called Threadneedle by another one of the the NetMF community guys that's a he touts as the first wearable NetMF board. So that's mm. kind of cool as well. That is cool. 
I'm looking at, you know, if you just go look at the catalog um, mm-hmm. and you can find all these modules, let's just take a, I'm going to just walk through these modules for, so you sure. get an idea, okay? So you've got an amp module that uh, amplifies a signal from, from a headphone or pow- for headphones or powered speakers, a music module, this is all in the audio thing that adds mp3 wma og midi wave playback capability with og recording og vorbis uh, the radio module the fm receiver that's 20 bucks by the way um the tunes module which is for tones and little melodies you know electronic tones yeah, okay so, tunes yeah so then you've got cameras there's a, a 35 dollar camera color camera that's 320 by 240 a serial camera L1 module that's also 35 bucks and an L2 module that's $45 which is a high resolution color camera i believe it's 640 by 480 so then you've got uh, some extenders which aren't all that exciting to talk about but you have relays you have motor drivers uh parallel port for CNC controllers a pulse in out module so this is how does the pulse in out module which says Daisy Link on it, which is used to read and send remote control signals. How is that different from what your what your IR emitter is? Well, so the pulse in 